0: Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. Live this day again, and uh, we need to make every day count. And I mentioned something last week. I talked about um, one of the about the greatest gift, one of the greatest things you can ever share, and that is the gift of salvation and relationship with God. The greatest gift you can ever share with anyone is that gift. And, um, you, know, there's many, you know, there's many great things God can do in our lives. He can heal us, which is incredible. He can do a miracle in your life and heal you from a cure. You know, you can be uh, healed from, a, from cancer or an incurable disease or uh, you can be, you know, you, maybe you're blind and you can see, you're deaf, you can hear, you can lame, you can walk. There could be all these incredible things which are incredible and awesome, but there's still nothing compared to salvation, Those things are great, you know, while we're living on this earth, and they make our lives better for it, and we can have a financial miracle, and and you can have all these, you know, you can have all these incredible things happen, and they're good, but salvation flows into eternity. It's not just about just while we're living on this earth, And, and while God wants to bless us and wants to heal us, and He wants us to live life to the full, He wants all that, but in his eyes and if you read the word of god he over and over again he says eternal life salvation that's that's the number 1 thing that's the key that's the most important thing because you can still live life and have some issues and have some struggles and and maybe have some sickness in your body and maybe not healed but you can still have salvation and when you get to heaven he's going to give you a brand new body a brand new and you're going to have a heavenly body that's never going to wear out you're going to live forever and ever and ever and uh you know and so salvation is powerful and it's very important vitally important in our lives and and it's a gift. The Bible talks about this in Romans 6.23. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He talks about being a free gift. It's a free gift. You, don't, you, can't, you can't buy it with money. You can't buy it with any other thing. I can't, I'll swap you for this. No, Jesus has already bought it for you with his life. It's a free gift from God. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not for you, from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And there It's a gift that God has given. And 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. Too wonderful for words. You know, if you've got a gift... And uh, something you've discovered, or something that you know you've thought this this thing is awesome. I need yeah, The first thing you want to do when you've got some great news or great thing you discovered, you don't go, Oh, well, this is so good. I'm just going to like. I'm not telling anyone about this. This is all mine. No, you want to go, this is so good. And you begin to share it with people. When you've got something good to share, when you've got a gift to share or something, you go, this is, other people got to know about this. You don't sort of hold it to yourself. Your, your inclination is to go and say, well, I'm going to tell someone about this. I'm going to go and tell my family about this or my friends about this or someone because they're going to love this when I get to tell them. And this gift of salvation truly is the greatest gift And why sometimes do we hold back and not tell people? And so I want to talk about this tonight, about the greatest gift and about sharing the greatest gift. Because it is vitally important to our world we live in today. And there is people around us that are searching for truth and searching for answers and, and trying all different things. And yet what they're really searching for is a relationship with their creator with God through Jesus Christ they are that's what they're looking for but they don't know that and and maybe no one's told them maybe they're looking in the wrong way or looking whatever but they're searching all different places but there's this gift of salvation isn't for a few it isn't for a certain group it isn't for certain people it is for everybody everybody whether you're, you speak English, Chinese, Japanese, whatever, whether you can't speak at all, whatever it may be, it's for everybody. Every tribe, every tongue, every race, every age group, it's for everybody. And I asked this question last week, are you enjoying your salvation? Are you enjoying it? Do you love your relationship with God? And if you're enjoying it and you love your relationship with God, I want to ask you this question. Have you shared it with anybody recently? Have you shared it with everybody? Have you told them about your relationship with God? Have you, have you stopped and just think, you know, it's not, it doesn't, it's not some big religious thing or some big hard thing. It's not meant to be difficult. It's not meant to be like, this is really tough. It's meant to be very natural that we would share the gift of salvation through our lives. And there's many different ways to share it. And, and uh, we might talk about that as we go along. But there's not just one way to do it. There's many different ways to do it. But there is people out there that are just waiting for you to share the gift with them. And sometimes we, we sometimes in our mindset, we don't maybe think they want to hear it or maybe think they're going to react in some way. But the truth really is that 5% Maybe might get a ninety-five percent are are gonna be glad to either just listen or to hear or respectfully to say, "Oh, that was good, but it's not for me right now." But, but majority of people they're like they're interested. When you share it from your point of view, when you share it in a real way, a loving way. People are drawn. Jesus sh- shared about this gift all the time. He talked about the kingdom of God, did it in many different ways. And when he did it, people didn't go, whoa, I don't want to hear that. I'm out of here. He's talking about something. No, thousands. They, they heard, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he saw? And they, what, they ran off, grabbed their friends and said, you need to come and hear what he has to say. As he talked about the kingdom of God, as he shared. Because they were interested. Because every person born is created by God. They were made to be connected to God. They were made for, all of us were made for relationship with God. And when the the gospel, when this message is shared, there's part of them that is going, that's what I'm looking for. There's part of them that gets um, activated, if you like, and gets drawn to it because that's how they were created. They were made to know their creator. I just want to read something to you by the, um, a pastor by the name of uh, Charles Stanley, who was a great pastor in America and, and his son pastors the large church in America now. And... Um, he wrote this. I just want to read out what he, what he wrote here. He said, The Apostle Paul understood the awesome responsibility of being entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He considered this calling a stewardship for which he would one day give an account to the Lord. And he was willing to suffer for Christ's sake to complete the task. As believers, we have this same obligation to share the gospel with whomever God places in our lives. But we must ask ourselves if we have a similar, similar level of commitment. How committed are you to sharing this gift? Have you ever thought about it? How, you know, when you, when you get in a position where you get an opportunity to share, do you say something or do you go, oh, no, I'm not, I'll just stand back. I'll, you th- I want to say something, but maybe you don't because you're scared, because you're fearful of what they may say, and you hold back. Paul said, I am totally committed to sharing this message. He was totally committed to sharing this message of salvation. No matter what the response was, he was he said, I am gonna share it no matter what. And he did. And many thousands of people came to Christ. Some people beat him up. Some people he eventually died for his you know faith, basically. And and so But, you know, he was living in a time of great persecution and all this kind of stuff was going on. But he was so committed to it that he he knew the power of it and thousands of people were transformed. Churches were planted all over the place that grew into thousands of people in churches. All because he said, I'm committed to share this message no matter what. Paul felt compelled to tell people about Christ. In fact, he said, woe is me if I do not. In 1 Corinthians 9.16. No matter how anyone treated him, he wasn't ashamed of the message of Christ. The prophet Jeremiah had a similar experience. He became a laughingstock and was persecuted for delivering the Lord's message of the coming judgment. If you read Jeremiah, he had some pretty full-on messages to give and they weren't all... Happy, clappy messages. They were doom and gloom. Some of them going, you know, get your life sorted out, or you're gonna all get, you know, God's gonna come and take you out because you're just turning your back on him and all kinds of stuff. So sometimes you go, God, do I do I have to really share that? But he did. And sometimes they laughed at him, sometimes they just said, That's not true. We don't believe that. You're not hearing from God. And he copped all this kind of stuff. But then he said, you know, he was he was delivering the Lord's message of coming judgment, yet he discovered that not speaking uh, created a far worse feeling in his heart. So by withholding what God wanted him to do, if, you, if God asked you to share something and put something on your heart, if you withhold doing it, the pain of withholding it becomes greater than the pain of sharing it. He said this, he said, he, was, he withheld it and he said, I can't withhold it, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. In Jeremiah 20 verse 9 it says, But if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, talking about God, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary of holding it in and I cannot endure it. It becomes so strong and then so sort of stuck in there, it kept building up the pressure almost. And he's like, I need to say this message. I need to tell someone what God has said. Otherwise I'm going to self-destruct and explode if i don't get this out we may not want to warn people about god's judgment this is still um, this is all still charles stanley saying this we may not all uh, may not want to warn people about god's judgment for fear of driving them away from him but in reality the lost are already far from the lord and need to hear about his offer of forgiveness Paul was willing to die to get the message out, yet too often we're not even willing to face a little discomfort to share our faith. Why would he do this? Paul felt uh, felt a deep obligation. First, he was uh, indebted to Jesus for salvation, but his motivation came from more than just his love and devotion to the Lord. He also felt compelled to offer hope to a world that was in desperate need. The world was in desperate need back then, almost 2,000 years ago, and the world is in desperate need right now. Right now, all over. the It's not hard to find that out real quick when you turn on the news. The world is in desperate need of a Savior, of the message of salvation. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1:15 and 16 talks a bit about this. It says this, this is Paul talking to Timothy. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all, Paul says. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience and even the worst sinners, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. In other words, Paul's saying, if he can save me, the worst, he he killed Christians, persecuted them, you know, took out church, did all this kind of stuff, went after Christians before he encountered Jesus. And and he said, I was the worst of the worst. I persecuted the very ones that were following Jesus. and And if Jesus can come, and save me and transform me, then he can transform you as well. And the message he gave them everywhere he went was this God sent his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into the world in human form. Through his death on the cross, Jesus paid mankind's sin debt in full. And all who receive him as their personal Savior will be forgiven. Paul realized he needed to bring the gospel to the Greeks as well as to the non-Greeks. In other words, he had, had to tell everybody. Some would accept the truth while others would reject it. The apostle himself could not save people. He wasn't responsible for their, self, their reaction. His task was simply to tell them about Jesus. We can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. All we can do is give them the good news. And tell them about a saviour, about Jesus and what he's done in your life and what he's done in my life. We can tell them and then it's up to them to say yes or no. It's totally up to them. God gives us total free choice. But he does say to us, share it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We are surrounded by people who are desperately hungry for something. And they don't even know what. Yet we have the answer and the responsibility to share it. Never be ashamed of the best news ever offered to mankind. It can change someone's eternal destiny. Never be ashamed of the best news there is. The best news for mankind. So salvation in Jesus Christ is the greatest gift and the good news of the gospel is the greatest message. It's the, it's the greatest gift. Salvation is the greatest gift, but it comes with the greatest news, the good news, that there was a Savior that died for you and died for me. He took our place. He paid the price for our sin so that you could have eternal life, not in a little while, but right now right now by praying a prayer you can you can it's like in a moment you can say Jesus I surrender to you and suddenly your your walk with God is suddenly your life is turned around you said oh, I was going this way but now I'm going this way because I've accepted Jesus and he's going to help me walk into a new way of life into a new direction but to share this message well and often because Anyone can share the message. You can can surrender your life to Jesus and and say, I'm going to follow Him. And straight away, you can start to tell others. And there's no limitations on doing that. And people have done that. And God's used people to do that instantly the moment they've gotten saved and, and started following Jesus. But to do it well and to do it often, we need to have a close relationship with God through Jesus Christ and a genuine love for people. Anyone can share the message, but... When you share it, you wanna do it well. You wanna do it with a when when your relationship with God is close and when you know Him, the the message comes out with God's love all over it. And when you have a genuine love for people, no matter who they are, then it's like it's like it's like they can tell, you know, someone can tell when you really love them and care for them or when you don't. People can tell that, okay? It's and we all know that. Sometimes people will just be chatting to you, and they, you know, you might be at a shop, and you, you know, when you're at the cash register or shop or something, and and someone says, "Oh, have you had a nice day?" And sometimes you can tell they're asking because the boss has said, "Make sure you ask that each person that comes through the register that you have a nice day." So they go. Have a nice day today, and there's like a robot talking to you, and, and you can kind of tell that. But then you get other people that are like, you know, I hope you have a great day, and this is the total difference, and you can tell. And people can tell the same. We can religiously go, you should accept Jesus because you're going to go to hell. You don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. So if you accept Jesus and, and all these name all these scriptures and just do it and, and say, you need to do that, otherwise you're, you're going to perish, and you can say it real religiously, real harshly or, or whatever, and they go, I don't want that. Where would that come from? That just sounds like dull and boring and you're trying to judge me or something or whatever but when you share it out of love it doesn't come across that way at all you genuinely care for people and people can tell the difference and to genuinely how you might think well how can I get that love for people well it comes when your relationship with God grows close and so I just want to talk about those two things for a moment tonight how does God want us to live for Him? How do we draw close to God? What, are, what does a person's life look like? And, and there's a passage of Scripture here that, that God put in my heart to share, and some of it can be confrontational, some of it's like so full, full on, but it gives us a picture of what it's like, what a person is like, and what does a person's life look like who is following Jesus. And I want to read you the message version in, in Ephesians 4, 17-32 and it says and so i insist and god backs me up on this that there will be no going along with the crowd the empty-headed mindless crowd they refu- they they've uh, refused for so long to deal with god that they've lost touch not only with god but with reality itself they can't think straight anymore feeling no pain they let themselves go in sexual obsession addicted to every sort of perversion now, this is nearly 2,000 years ago, and if you were to read that, that actually explains kind of like what our culture is like today. And, uh, and there's people going around with their own ideas and mindsets, and, they're, and, and it's really describing their some uh, pe- people's hearts that have grown hard. When it says they don't feel no pain, it's like they've, they don't care anymore. It's like, oh, they just worry about themselves, they don't, oh, that person... Got hurt, I hurt that person, I don't really care anymore. It's like their heart has got hard. And who who's met people like that? They've had hard, hearted heart. It's like, and you're going, man, what's happened to you? You know, how did you get that way? And and people like, you know, I've met people that once knew God, once gone to church, and they've become like this. And Paul here is talking here to Ephesians to the church in Ephesus and and I' have met them, and maybe they because you know maybe they when they were younger, they got sort of religion shoved down their throat and it was dry and boring and very black and white, and they wasn't ever really relationship, and it was like, do this or do that or and it was and it was like, came across that way and they thought, oh, I don't want any of that. And then, and then and people tried to push things on them and so their heart gets harder and harder. And, and maybe people get hurt by someone they trusted or, or hurt by a family member or someone that said, yeah, I'm, I, I care about you or that. But then they've hurt them. They've said something or done something to them that's hurt them. And then their trust is broken and their heart grows hard. And so there's people walking around in our world with hard hearts. There's many others that are walking around with very soft hearts and are ready to receive the message, but there's others that it's like they're hard-hearted. But do you know what? God loves the hard-hearted person just as much as those with soft hearts. He loves that person with a hard heart that has said all kinds of profanities and all kinds of stuff to God and, 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 and you know, accused God of everything and God's taken, yeah, you can say whatever you want, that, I, I still love you. still love you. Arms are still open. Jesus still died on the cross for them. And so there's people in our world that that describes what people are. They're addicted to all kinds of stuff. There's addiction to all kinds of sexual stuff today that's everywhere. On movies, everywhere you go, there's always some connotation or some thing. It's all woven into people's thinking and mindset. and, And they're just living that way and obsessions with, you know, all kinds of things. And but it's, it's Paul saying it that's not the way to live it was like that 2,000 years ago still like that today there's people around all through history there's people like that that God loves that God is reaching out for then he says this but that's no life for you he's talking to the church here you learn Christ My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. He says everything, and I do mean everything connected with that old way of life Has to go. That's what God says to to the church, to to Christians here in Ephesus. He said it has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. I'm going to read that again a god fashioned life a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct that's the things you do the way you act what you say as god accurately reproduces his character in you god actively reproducing his character in you i want you to think about your life for a moment Is your has your character changed in the last six months? Is God actively reproducing His character in you? When you look back over the last twelve months, even or six months, whatever it may be, you might look back and go, "Are "Are you kind of? Have you been changing? Have you been changing like to be more like what Jesus says, what you read in the Word of God, what God says you should be, the way Jesus lived, and the way and I'm talking about your thinking, your mindset." The way, what, how you speak, how you act, what you say, how you treat people, how you think of people—has, have you noticed? Have you, you're thinking differently now about people than you did six months ago? Are you speaking differently? Are you, are you acting differently? Have you stayed the same? Has things just kind of like not changed at all? And you go, well, I think I'm kind of the same as I was six months ago. Have you gone the other way? You're thinking, well, maybe. Maybe in that area, maybe I've gotten worse. But God's plan for your life is that God accurately reproduces His character in you. That that passage of Scripture right there is a picture of salvation. It's a picture of the greatest gift. It's a picture of what God wants to do. He says, when you come in contact with the message and when you get when you surrender your life to God and when you realize that Jesus Christ has died for you and you want to know him and he comes and lives on the inside of you and the holy spirit is within you he says from the inside out you begin to change you begin to change your character changes if you have an encounter with God you cannot not change and if you don't change and you go well how come I'm not changing what There's something not right, something hasn't happened right if I'm not changing because it clearly says all through the Word of God when we encounter Christ and surrender to Him that we will change. If you're not changing, it may mean there may be some areas of your life that you have not surrendered to Him. And that's usually where the battle lies. You're thinking there's a battle in your mind, there's a battle in your heart, there's a battle with something and maybe it's connected to your old life. That doesn't mean that God's given up on you. That doesn't mean that you're no good. It doesn't mean that God says, well, that's no good. Wait, wait, sort that out and then come follow me. No, He says, I will help you. But as soon, the, the thing you need to do is recognize what, where in my life, if, if I'm not growing in that area, what needs to change? What haven't I surrendered? What has to change? It's a picture of of salvation this is god 's desire for everybody, even those that are hard hearted, even those that are, would say, "I reject you, God, I want anything to do with you God, He still wants to do this in them. He wants to change them from the inside out. I uh, want to share a story I, I shared this story on Tuesday with the transformation guys, and, uh, and some of you may have heard this before, but I, I love this story because it was su- such an impacting uh, point in my life, and uh, when I was about sixteen years old, I went on a camp, and um, and it was a Teen Challenge camp, and some of you know what Teen Challenge is, organisation and sit like like Transformations, similar to Transformations, and and there was. Um, and they help teenagers and stuff like that. And they were running this camp. And uh, this is about 20 odd years ago. And, and uh, we're down in the Sunshine Coast. And, and me and a couple other guys were, who living in Harvey Bay were traveling down uh, with one of the other leaders, adult leaders. And we were going as leaders on the camp. And we were kind of like assistant leaders because we were a bit younger. And uh, we're enjoying the camp but helping out and things like that. And there was about 40 to 50 people at least uh, coming on this camp and a group from a few other youth groups. And, and then they bust. We arrived at the camp early and they bust the a bus arrives from Brisbane. About a um, about a fifteen or sixteen of them on a 20-seat bus, something like that, I bus these kids. And some of these kids that came were straight off the streets of Brisbane. And uh, and some of them are real rough. They'd come from, you know, horrendous backgrounds and and they'd sort of gotten involved with Teen Challenge in the last weeks and um you know knew nothing about God knew nothing a lot about life either they kind of like they've known how to you know get hurt and they've people had hurt them and mistrust and all that kind of stuff and and these of you know teenagers get off the bus and you know it was kind of the time when there's everyone wore baggy pants with they were falling halfway down their backside and you could see what brand of underwear they were wearing and um t-shirts and long even if it was hot you wear long sleeve shirts and you're sweating and you're hot and even if it's like 40 degrees you still wear a beanie on your head and uh, and you walk around like hey man I am the and you got a chain around your neck that weighs 12 kilos and you're kind of like like walk around and so they're getting off the bus trying to look very cool and, uh, and some of them were, you know, from 15 to probably 18 years old, maybe a couple were 19, 20 years old. So there's this group of kids and, and there was, you walk off the bus and there's clearly, you know, a couple of guys that were definitely the leaders and everyone was tagging along and um, and so we get there and in the camp's food and there was all food and activities and it was a great fun camp, heaps to do, water activities, swimming and all this kind of stuff and And so that, but their group, they wouldn't sit with anyone else. They're sitting in the corner and uh, sit with their own group or whatever. And they were just like, we don't want to be here, you know, and they they didn't pay to go. Someone paid for them to go and we just want to do our own thing. And no one's going to tell us what to do. And that's an attitude, you know, and it's like they walk in a room and the atmosphere was like you could just tell, you know, they'd walked into the room without even looking. And uh, so anyway, but, you know, people in the camp, you know, we still accept them for who they are. We didn't judge them. We didn't talk. Down to him, or just we, you know. He said, "You yeah, know, why don't you come and you know, um, you know, hang out with us and and play a game of cricket, do this whatever." Not not want to do it, and and they just didn't want to join in, and so they were doing their own thing. Anyway, so after this, that well, was day one and second day, we were playing this game um, up in this room. There's a room upstairs, and we're playing this game, this chocolate game, where you put a bar of chocolate in the middle, and, and you have you know, sit in a circle. You have a dice and you roll the dice and lands on a six, you get to eat chocolate. So you run in the middle, you've got to throw a hat on and a shirt or something like that. Knife and fork, cut the chocolate. Who's played that game? Uh, chocolate game? Excellent. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. And uh, we've all played the chocolate game. Who wants to play the chocolate game right now? Well, we'll do that next week. And so, um, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? We all get in a big circle, play the chocolate game. And... Um, and so, and, you know, you're doing that. So we're playing this game, and so there's piles of chocolate. You know, there are two groups. There's piles of chocolate in all these groups. These guys weren't going to participate. They were outside doing whatever they wanted to do, smoking or whatever. And um, next minute, they, they sort of walk in the door. They see the chocolate, and they think, Oh, we're going to flog the chocolate, you know, and so like, and it's like I'm tearing in, you know, and one of these guys grabs the chocolate all of it in the middle of the group, and it's tearing out the door, and our youth pastor at the time, his name's Dale, used to play first grade for Canterbury, and so he could, he could tackle someone really good, and he was strong, soggy guy, anyway, and so this kids running for the door with the chocolate, Dale comes from sideways totally takes him out horizontally he just flattens the guy guy flies across the floor and like is half knocked out kind of thing and and it's like the chocolate flies everywhere there's bits of chocolate and paper and stuff flying everywhere all that and that was the end of the chocolate game after that and so this guy gets flattened and then he just gets up and goes oh and it takes off out of it just runs out of the place and and so that was the camp was happening and uh so it and so and things escalated from there and so um and then that by the end of that night you know, they didn't want to join with anything. They were arguing with people, you know, asking them to do something. No, I'm not going to do it. And they just, you know, they'd stand there. And by the end of that night, it got to a point about 2 o'clock in the morning They're one of the main leaders of the camp standing on the oval with two or three of these guys, these three guys are threatening to beat him up and saying, stop telling us what to do. We want to, eat. I think they had, I think they found some marijuana or something on them and took it off them and they weren't happy about that. And so then they were like, you know, give us a back and we're going to beat you up. And, and it got to escalate to that point. And every night, it's a Christian camp, okay, It's how Chris, a great Christian camp. And so, that's um, how we run all our camps. And so, um, and, uh, and so by that, you know, every night, we got music happening, got a band. It was only a real simple band, guy on a keyboard singing, a guy on a guitar, and, and uh, could play right really well. And, and that we would do a few songs, and someone would speak a message. We're th- two nights, we're the last night, we're a three-night camp. And last day, these guys still weren't getting involved. And, um, and so by the third night, they eventually on the third day oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come and sit in the meeting. They can sit in any meeting. So they're sitting up the back. It's like you set up all the chairs and you've got the back row. They grab the back row chairs, walk them to the very back of the back of the thing as far away from the front of the building as possible and sit there so they can be separate from everybody because that was a cool thing to do. And so, um, and they're sitting there and there's about probably eight or nine of them by this group. The others in the group are kind of sitting with everyone else and joining in a little bit. And anyway, and we start to, um, we're in this, meeting and i can still remember the song and it says you um taking me from the mary cray mary clay and um uh, my savior you know talks about jesus and he taking us out of the clay and mold us into something brand new and this guy starts singing this song and just the guy on keyboard him singing that was it and the presence of god invaded the place in a moment and I can still remember it, and I can still feel the presence of God every time I say it. It came so strong that, that people in their seats were just sitting there, and all of a sudden just started crying. And then all of a sudden, one by one, without anyone saying anything, getting up, they started walking out the front and dropping to their knees and started crying out to God. And then I remember I was out the front, and I got up and I just you know walked out the front, and the power of God hit me, and I would think for an hour I was just crying and sobbing in God's presence. And then, you know, this went on. He played the song. We were playing the song for at least an hour. The same song over and over and over again. It didn't get boring. And It was like this is like the best moment in the world. Like there was a the power of God just filled the place. The love of God filled the place. And so then, for, then about after an hour, I'm seeing... This whole altar is just filled with 30 or 40 young people crying before God, and a few of the leaders are starting to help and pray for a few people, and God's touching people and healing people, and all kinds of stuff. And then I sort of stopped, and I turned and looked around, and these guys who are up the back, in the back row, that actually moved to the back row of the seats. It actually moved a bit closer, and they had their hats on or whatever, and I could, enough I could see, and underneath their hats, I saw tears streaming down all their faces. They were crying and weeping. And then all of a sudden, one of them, you know, it only takes one, one of them who was the leader gets up out of his seat and he walks to the front and he crumbles in God's presence. He just drops to his knees and then all the others came out and every single person on that camp got saved. Every single person gave their life to Jesus, not one. And so and And I thought, man, this is the the message the this message of salvation, the presence of God, the good news of Jesus Christ, the love of God, is the greatest message because it can it can take the hardest heart four days you would you would look at those guys and think there 's no way that they 're going to like give their life there 's no way that god 's going to do anything in their life because their hearts are so hard they 've been so broken, so hurt, carrying so much pain. But three days later, they were totally transformed. They they had an encounter with God. And the next day, you would think we're on a totally different camp. Where, like, they were like sitting down with everyone, talking with everyone. And I'm like, man, these guys. And they were in a moment, they were just different people. And then the next morning, we had a baptism and baptized 20 young people in the swimming pool right outside the building. They all got baptized the next day and then went home after lunch that day and they encountered God. I'll never forget that time because I could see and I saw the power of God at work doesn't matter how far you think someone is away from God. You won't think, they're not going to listen to me. They don't want to hear it. But you never know what God will do by you sharing the message. You never know what is going on in their heart, what's going on in their mind. You never know what God will do. He goes on to say this, Paul says, what this adds up to is this. Okay, we're talking about God changing us. No more lies. No more pretense, talking to people in the church. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. After all, when you lie to each other, you end up lying to yourself. He starts to talk about some things and addresses some things and says, this is how life should look. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you use did you used to make ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what, is, what helps. Each word a gift. Is every word you say a gift to someone else? Don't grieve God. Don't break His heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate, ...part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting and profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Five things he says. No more lies. No more pretense. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself... Don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. Do not steal. Get an honest job so you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. Each word is a gift. You know, isn't it awesome when God... When someone speaks to you and encourages you and speaks, and it's like with those words, it's like they they do something in your soul. They make you feel good. They, They help you, each word being a gift. We as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our words should be the best words ever spoken. Our words should just come through with love, come through with encouragement, come through helping, building others, your friends up. And those that are around you, people you don't even know that may be having a bad day, you don't know what your words can do to someone by when you speak. Because they're they're not just your words, they come from a heart of God. And you can change someone's day in a moment by what you speak. And it says, don't break His heart. Don't break God's heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Sometimes it's so easy to take the gift of the Holy Spirit for granted. Sometimes we just, oh, I've done it, we go, we go along and we just, the Holy Spirit's inside us. He's helping us. He's there to encourage us and speak to us. And, and sometimes we just take it for granted and we go, oh, I've got the Holy Spirit with me. And you just kind of live your day. And you don't ever stop and say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me. How often do we stop and say, thank you, God, for giving me the Holy Spirit? I couldn't live life without it. Don't take it for granted. Our lives should be an example to fellow believers and non-believers. Everything we do should set an example to others. Every, the way you speak, the way, you, the way your actions, the way you the, the talk, the way, how you think should be an example to everyone else around you. A good example, a godly example. And the last thing I want to talk about as we get ready to close shortly is having a genuine love for people. A genuine love for people comes out of your relationship with God, having a healthy relationship with God, knowing Him, having God's heart. And I want to show you a video in just a moment about, this happened four weeks ago. Um, I saw it um, pop up it might have been on Facebook or somewhere but it was a powerful video and this lady just grabbed her phone and starts telling a story about what happened in a grocery store and what God spoke to her and I just want to play that video right now I want you to just watch this and just see what she says
1: I had an errand to run for work <clears throat> and so I came into the local grocery store to um, take care of some items that we needed And as I entered the doorway there at the grocery store, I noticed a homeless man sitting on the bench, obviously trying to get warm and stay out of this cold. I didn't speak, I just went on in. And as soon as I walked through the second door, I heard the voice of Jesus say, he loves bananas. Okay. So I went over to produce and I picked up a bunch of bananas and I felt like, he needs protein he needs protein to sustain him so I went back and I picked up three or four small items that he could put in his backpack but wouldn't go bad and would supply his body with the nourishment <clears throat> and I really really wanted to go get him um, some fried chicken they have a deli here and I thought he needs some warm food to put on his belly no he needs protein for his backpack he needs it for later. But Jesus, I can go get him some warm fried chicken. Why can't I go get him some chicken? No, I didn't ask you to get him chicken. Okay. So I went to the cash register and Burt's Bees versus Chapstick. He's outside in the cold. His lips are going to get chapped this winter. What would you buy? So I bought him some Burt's Bees and and put it in my cart. I really wish you'd let me get the fried chicken. <laughs> So I paid for my items and separated my items from his items into the bag and came out the doorway and there he still sat. I said, are you trying to get warm, buddy, and staying out of the cold? Yes, ma'am. I said, well, here's you just a few items. I said, Merry Christmas. God bless. The lady behind me said, well, today must be your lucky day. And he kind of perked up a little bit. And she says, I went back and I got you some fried chicken. It's still warm if you care to eat it now. And there's some napkins in there for you. If you will just listen and trust that still small voice. I am so thankful that God spoke this way to me today he is alive he is well and he loves you And he wants to speak to your heart like you've never been spoken to and he wants to love you like you have never been loved give him your all today and he will absolutely give you everything he has every mountaintop every valley every corner of this world our Heavenly Father owns and he just wants to give it all to you I'm thankful That even though this man is, he is homeless and he is wayward and he is, um, you know, lost in this world, that even God still watches out for him. Thank you, Lord.
0: Does does God speak to you like that? Because He wants to. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. You sort of think... You know, it's like she wanted to get chicken, and God says, No, it doesn't need chicken. Got that covered already. She didn't know that. But had someone else buying the chicken, she had to get bananas and a few other things. But isn't it powerful? You know, that, and that's what I'm talking about that that every day the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you like that and, you, and bring people in your path into your world that you can, you know, because this message isn't about you just speaking, you know, a bunch of scriptures or speaking this or speaking that you can you can say it by your actions by buying something by being generous you can you can do it by giving something you can do it by speaking something you can do it in many different ways the gospel is presented in many different ways and God wants to use you to do that so worship team you want to come on up out of her relationship with God out of her relationship with God she was able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and she was able to have a genuine love for people. She she loved, she didn't even know that homeless man but she had a love, a God's love was flowing out of her heart for him and she walked in and straight away knew I need to do something for him and and looked at him and, and and then as he walked through the door says get him this, get him this and, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to her. He began to speak to her because she didn't just walk past him but stopped for a moment and thought He needs something. What can I do to help that person today? Because that was her heart. And God wants to make your heart soft for those that are broken. He wants to make your heart soft for those that are away from Him. He wants to make your heart soft for those that are hard-hearted. Those that are struggling, those that are wounded, those that are hurt. Those that no one else wants to maybe hang out with, He wants to make your heart soft for them. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.15 that He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. You know, I, I said this last week that as you make... New Year's resolutions or goals this year I urge you to make one of your goals that wherever you go wherever you find yourself you'll be willing to share the greatest gift you'll be willing to share the love of Jesus to show people his love to share about what he's done in your life I urge you to do that when Jesus was meeting that woman at the well in in the book of John the disciples have gone off to get lunch and he meets this woman at the well that was there by herself and begins to speak over her life and and begins to say all these things about her life and and uh and she goes who are you and discovers who Jesus is Jesus says this to her in John four ten. he says if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She's getting water out of the well, and Jesus said, Put, Get me a drink, and, and has a whole conversation going on. But that one line, I just want to read he says, If you knew the gift of God, he says, If you knew the gift of God, if that person you see regularly around you, if they knew the gift of God, how would their life change? If that person that you run into or you see up the street or you're walking along and you see someone you think, oh, maybe I should, you know, the Holy Spirit maybe prompts you to say something and to them maybe you don't. But if they knew the gift of God, how would their life change? How would it change? And I want to challenge you tonight that 2017... God wants hundreds of people to know him in this city. And he wants us to share, to so not hold back. Don't hold back. Don't hang on to the greatest gift, but openly share it. Share his love and what you say, or what you do, how you think of others. Don't get caught up in the busyness of life and think, I haven't got time, I haven't got time. No, if you haven't got time to share it, then your life is upside down. Then your life is messed up. You need to get it in perspective because this is the greatest gift. This is the greatest thing you can ever share. It's eternal. has eternal consequences. Other things will affect people in their life they live for the 80, 90, 100 years on this earth or more. But this gift... Will affect eternity forever. Change someone's life for eternity by sharing the greatest gift, the gift of salvation, the message of good news about Jesus. Why don't you stand tonight? This is maybe something that a lot of us maybe know. Maybe we can know a lot of stuff and maybe know, yeah, we, thats I know that message and we can know it, but do we use it? Do we act upon it? Do we do it? And I want you to make a decision in your heart and say, God, you know, give me a desire. Give me a love for people. Give me a love for those that are lost, that are broken. Give me a love for people that no one else loves love for the hard heart of those that don't a person That person doesn't treat me well the person that said this and said that to me give me a love for them maybe you're here tonight and you don't know jesus i know quite a few people here tonight some of you i don't know and maybe you've never in your life surrendered it to Jesus, you've never said Jesus come into my heart, forgive me of my sin, forgive me all the wrong I've done and and the stuff I've done wrong and tonight I want to give my life to you, I want to know you I want to receive this gift I want to receive eternal life maybe you're here tonight and you're saying that's me, I need to do that maybe you've done it a long time ago but maybe your heart has become hard and maybe there's some areas where you know you're just away from God and and you say, tonight I've got to surrender to Him. I've got to give my life back to Him. If that's you tonight, I want you to raise your hand in this place. Thank you. Does anyone else want to do that tonight in this place? Surrender it to Him. Yep, yep, yep. Once you put it up, you can put it back down. Anyone else? There's about four people put up their hands. Does anyone else want to do that tonight? And I'm just going to pray that's what I want to do if, if you if you made that decision some of you might have made that decision before maybe you never have I don't know but why don't you step out of your seat if you want to come out with someone you can do that and I just want to pray a prayer with you And maybe you didn't put up your hand but you're saying I, I need to come out tonight you can come out as well that's awesome. has anyone has any of you guys never done this before never done that before that's awesome that's cool everyone else and some of you have maybe done that before but you are just you're making a decision to again a recommitment. commitment and and some others have come out to support you guys that's awesome what's your name jacob's a cool name that name's in the bible you need to go find jacob in the bible and read about jacob god did some great things in jacob's life And uh, what we're going to do is simply is this, and and we're going to pray together. I'm going to pray a prayer and asking God to come into our lives, to forgive us of our sin. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And that's what the decision you've made tonight. You stepped out and said, Jesus, I want to receive you. I want to receive forgiveness. And when you pray this prayer, you will at that very moment. So I'm going to pray this for you. I'm going to close your eyes and let's pray this together. Father God, Father God I, come to I come to you tonight and I thank you, I thank you for sending your son, sending your son Jesus, Jesus, to die on a cross for my, for my, sin. my sin. Please forgive me Please forgive of all my mistakes, my mistakes, of all my sin. My sin. I, give my right I give you my life right now. And I thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus for dying on the cross for me for taking my place, for paying my ransom for my sin. And right now, I ask that you come and live inside of me. Help me to know you. Lead me, guide me, and speak to me. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, Amen.